Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached word of God in agreement to the scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from the pulpit of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. series is God our judge and king and today is on Gideon and the strength of honesty. Um, I for one am glad that there is passages like this in the Bible because here it is where Gideon um, you can read that here he is, he's, he's saying stuff because, I mean, he literally is hiding. The Bible tells us he's just hiding. He's just trying to save them a little grain so they'll have enough to eat. And all of a sudden, an angel comes up to him and, um, you know, the Lord's with you, you know, mighty man of valor. And then, um, you know, and the, the angel quits talking and Gideon's like, can I get a sign, you know? And we think, Lord, this guy is human as I would be. You know, we think, how would we react? Well, we would probably react probably a lot like Gideon. You know, we could say that it wouldn't bother us if an angel stood. And by the time it dawned on us that it was an angel talking to us, who knows what we would act like? You know, Gideon's, uh, he's doing the fleece. Um, he's just, you know, Gideon does everything, but... Request a 50-50 on the, you know, he says wet one time, dry one time, you know, and then he changes it. You know, Gideon is just saying, you know what, the Lord is, and Gideon's, it, it, God's just, Gideon's wanting to look through natural eyes, and that's what we would do. All Gideon can see is this army. It's just this army, the Bible says, you can't even count, you can't count them, you can't count the, uh, their, their camels and it's just like the sand on the seaside and you're thinking you want me to do this so Gideon's just being you know what he's being he's just being human so God's telling him you know you have this you have this you have this strength so the key verses is uh, 15 and 16 out of Judges 6 and he said unto him oh my lord Wherewith shalt thou save Israel? Behold, my family is poor in Manasseh, and I am the least in my father's house. And the Lord said unto him, Surely I will be with thee, and thou shalt smite the Midianites as one man. So this is what the Lord tells him. But what I want to do, I want to go back to, uh, to the beginning of the sixth chapter. And here's the reason all this came upon them. And the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord. And the Lord delivered them into the hand of Midian seven years. But here's Gideon. You know, I don't know if he's aware of all the evil that's being done. I'm sure he is aware of it somehow. But we can't forget in the story, 
what caused all of this. The Bible tells us directly, Israel did that which was evil in the sight of the Lord. That's what's causing all of this. And God says that, and the hand of Midian prevailed against Israel, and because of the Midianites, the children of Israel made themselves dens which are in the mountains, caves, and strongholds. And so it was when Israel had sown that the Midianites came up and the Amalekites and the children of the east, and they came up against them. And they encamped against them and destroyed the increase of the earth till thou art come unto Gaza and left no substance for Israel, neither sheep nor ox nor ass. And they came up with their cattle and their tents, and they came as grasshoppers for multitude for for both they and their camels were without number, and they entered into the land to destroy it. Now, when you read this, and you go a little bit further in it, um, the Bible says, we don't read where they say where they were stealing it. Basically, what they was doing, God said, I'm going to deliver them, deliver you into their hands for seven years. This is your punishment. But what the Midianites and the others, the Amalekites would do, would come up and we're going to take your crop. In other words, if you have to have food to eat, that's what we're going to destroy. We're going to destroy it in the field. And their substance that they needed, that's what the enemy was doing. And, you know, and they didn't care about stealing it. They wanted Israel to starve. So that's what they was doing. In verse 12, and the angel of the Lord appeared unto him and said unto him, The Lord is with thee, thou mighty man of valor. This is what the angel told him. The Lord said to him, verse 14, And the Lord looked on him and said, Go in this might, and thou shalt save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have I not sent thee? And he said unto him, O my Lord, verse 15, Where shall I save Israel? Behold, my family is poor in Manasseh, and I am the least in my father's house. So, here is the Lord on how he works. And you think, does it really have to be this way all the time? Well, God is sovereign. He does what he wants to. But here is a man that uh, is it's talking about just pure honesty. Now, if you take, and we have seen this through the years, and you take a child when he is young, and you repeatedly tell that child he is dumb all his life, well, I guess after a few years, they literally think that they are dumb. So here is one thing that Gideon had not been told, where the, where the Bible says, The Lord is with thee, thou mighty man of valor. Valor means strength. How many times do you think Gideon had been told, You are a man of strength? Probably none. I would guess. So when the angel said that to him, he's thinking, are you really talking to me? Did you get your GPS messed up and, and go to my mailbox? Because you can't be talking to me. So I believe this is one reason why Gideon was so confused. Because the Lord speaks not in the way that we look at things. And Gideon, he immediately went to what his eyes seen. We're poor. Go, pull up our resume. Our family's always been poor. And not only stop there, I'm the least in my father's house. I'm the weakest in my father's house. And you tell me that you want me to solve this issue? 
Look outside there. You can't count the people that's coming against us. But I'm a mighty man of valor. And that's why I say that Gideon was just honest. He expressed doubts. He expressed fears, anxieties. And he's just saying, I can't do this. I can't do this. And the, the Lord was just, if you read, the Lord really don't deal with that issue when it comes to Gideon. The Lord just went on, spoke. This is what I've done. The Lord is with you. And then he tells him, he said, and the Lord looked upon him and he said, go in this might. Go in this might. What might? The Lord is with you, thou mighty man of valor. That's what might I want you to go with. Quit looking at what your eyes see, Gideon. And I have just told you, I am with you, you mighty man of valor. So it, it, it would be like if, if you're, you grow up, put yourself in Gideon's spot. If you grow up, all you've heard, you're the weakest. You come from the weakest clan. If you want somebody to run over, go get, go get Gideon. When you go out to play ball, Gideon's the last one that's ever picked. And then nobody wanted him. Poor old Gideon. And then an angel comes by and starts telling you this. I don't blame Gideon. It would have been if if it would have been hard for me to process because all I've heard is that I am a man of weakness. And then God tells me, I'm a mighty man of valor. And then here is the part that we have trouble with is because we live in this flesh. We live in this flesh every day. But how many times has God told us that we are more than conquerors? We have so many promises and we think, do you really know where I live? Do you really know my address? Do you really know what I'm facing? And and we're like Gideon, but you don't understand what I'm seeing, what I'm going through, what's ailing me. And the Lord just says, look, I'm with you. I am with you. So he's trying to get Gideon to see. And the Bible, the Bible even tells us that here, that in, in Proverbs, the wise man said it. I'll, I'll quote the, the half of it. It said, death and life are in the power of the tongue. And I believe that's surely, surely truth when it comes to the things of God. Because as a Christian, what we saturate our mind with, what we hear all the time, you know, if you, if you turn on the news and all you hear is the problems of the day, all you hear is this world's going bad, and sure, we know that. I don't want that in my mind all the time. I would want the Word of God in my mind. I would want to know what's happening. And God's Word tells us that. I would be like Gideon, but Lord, you know, I can't do this. And start listing the reasons why I can't do this. And they may be legitimate reasons because all I've heard is I'm weak. And God was saying, no, no. The good thing about this is God didn't even address that. He just went. He just went and just did this. Now, this particular um, tribe that he grew up in was weak. It had the reputation for being the weakest in Manasseh. He considered himself to be the least capable in the family. But it wasn't for lack of trying. For the Bible tells us that he is literally hiding in a wine press 
not even designed to, to do what he is doing. He's just try, trying to get them through the winter because, it, because of this. But this was the seventh year. This is what God had told them. Seven years, I'm going to punish you. And after the seven years, it's over. But God was going to let them know it was over. You have punished my people long enough. I needed someone to be the focal point, And God was picking Gideon. Nobody. Nobody. Nobody would have picked Gideon. You could have went from the highest to the least. And Gideon would have been the last choice of the people. So here is God. He's doing this. And Gideon had done his share of work. He was doing this. He had been literally called weak for so long that apparently the label stuck. Because he literally, that's the first thing he tells God. I can't do this. I can't do this. And then he, he took this. Now he takes, and the Midianites oppressed the people in that religion, abused anyone who got in their way, took what they wanted, they repeatedly ravaged Israel's crops, causing hunger and starvation all too often in, the, in their struggling community. They just wanted to survive the winter, and they couldn't because they just literally came just to destroy the crops. They didn't care about Israel. They hated Israel, so they wanted to do this. Now, he has taken literally in times of overwhelming odds, God delights in calling the most unlikely candidates to accomplish his purpose. Now, we don't know why God does this, but this is one of the things that God does. I'm not saying everybody that gets used is the least. All I'm saying is God is sovereign, and when he lays something on our heart, he is not going to back away from that. He is going to give us the strength, the anointing to accomplish it. And we got Bible to see that's done. So Deborah, Moses even said, I'm not an orator. I can't talk well. Deborah could have said, you know what? There's never been a woman judge. And that God could have answered her back and said, until now. But then, and Amos was an obscure shepherd when God called him. Everyone has an excuse why they can't. But through God's grace, we know we can. God picked Gideon to rally the troops against the mighty Midianites. Even when Gideon was in charge, no one expected a total and complete destruction of the Midianite forces. Israel would have been happy to bring in just one crop of the field into the barns without interference. And no one would have chose Gideon as their military leader and a national hero. But God called, and God could, and called what he could be. God's even, and seen beyond his um, limitations. And revealed a hidden hero. We just look and see what we can't do. And God's looking all the time of what we can do. And there for seven years. God had already said this. Seven years they're going to take from you. And God had set a stop at seven. Their attacks was relentless. Every, every year they come down. They'd just wait for the harvest to come in. They'd come destroy what they wanted. If they wanted any they'd take it. If not, they just went. And literally, here is God's people hiding in caves and dens. This is God's people. But you got to go all the way back to 6, verse 1. And the children of, Israel, uh, children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord. That's what started all of this. God had told them, when I brought you out, 
I didn't want you to serve no other gods. Don't have no kind of idolatry. But they did that. They rushed in. The Midianites did. They trampled the rest. They left nothing behind. And the Israel's surrounding tribes was just literally powerless to stop this. Israel, they hid. They tried to escape their brutality, but they couldn't. They had to become creative or die. That's one of the reasons why Gideon was in the position he was trying to hide a little livelihood trying to save enough to get through the winter. But it's unique to me why God, in speaking with this, he called an unnamed prophet. We don't know who this prophet was, but he called a prophet. And then he reminded Israel of their forefathers' deliverance from Egyptian bondage and their gift of the promised land. God is telling them, I told you at the very beginning not to do this. You went after other strange gods. I delivered you from all of that. I brought you out of Egypt. And then he, I, 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 he revealed the unnamed prophet. Told him, I, I reminded them that you was delivered of all the oppression that you was under. And trying to get Israel to snap back in their memory of what it was like to live under that oppression. And trying to get Israel to see that there was a price to be paid for rejecting this covenant that they made with the Lord. And, but they had embraced the pagan gods of the land. Why? I don't know. But this is what Israel did, and God wasn't happy about it. The disobedience to God's commandments and their failure to exclusively follow God. God said, have no other gods before me. Don't look nowhere else. Don't act as if I'm not enough. I am the Lord God. I am able. In Leviticus, long before the occupation of the promised land, God warned the people of the consequences of idolatry and the penalties for disobedience. And he reminded them that they, would, they could enjoy the covenant and honor the name of the Lord. But the Lord promised, if you walk in my statutes and keep my commandments and do them, then I will give you rain in the due season and the land shall yield her increase and the trees of the field shall yield her fruit and your threshing shall reach unto vintage and the vintage shall reach unto sowing time and you shall eat the bread to your full and dwell in your land safety. Literally what that means, one season is going to go all the way to the other. In other words, your barns is going to be filled and overflowing if you would just look unto me as your provider. But it said that Israel didn't. But here is Gideon secretly threshing wheat in a wine press, just trying, just trying to save a little grain. So it was, we know this was used for crushing grapes for the juice, but he was using it to crush stalks of grain to separate the straw from the chaff. It would have been quicker and more efficient to get on top of a hill and throw it up in the air. But the enemy would have seen that. So he couldn't do that. So here he is hiding. Literally hiding, trying to do this. But the spies would have come in. But the voice that spoke to him, he didn't... You know, he's looking around. Who is this coming from? He hadn't seen or heard anything. So who was speaking to him? Gideon saw a man sitting under a tree. And the man made an unusual statement to him. The Lord is with thee, thou mighty man of valor. And from that point on, it changed his life, literally. 
Gideon realized this visitor was more than just a man. He was a messenger from the Lord. But in Gideon's doubt, he he must have had the wrong man. Because surely you can't be talking to me. I am no warrior. I'm just like everyone else. And then he starts, if the Lord be with us, then why is all this befallen us? If I've been good and lived for the Lord all these years, then why is this happening to me? Well, that's probably a statement that I shouldn't make. Because the Lord, all the Lord would have to do is... Zip. You, do, Kenneth, do you really want to know? But here's the Lord in His mercy to Gideon. God just goes on. He just goes on. He don't, he don't stop and say, you know what, let's talk about this. God in His mercy, He just goes on. He just goes on. The angel of the Lord ignored Gideon's question and continued, Go in this I might, and thou shalt save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have not I sent thee? So he's telling him then, God's with you. You have the ability to do it. But here is him still saying, I really don't know if I do have the ability. But he does. There must be some mistake Gideon knew that he, surely it can't be me that you've called to deliver Israel and defeat Midian. Oh, my Lord, wherewith I, shall I save Israel? My family is poor and Manasseh, and I'm the least in my father's health. His self-assessment was quite different from God's confident calling. All his life, Gideon has seen as felt inferior in strength and deficient in courage. But God had called him a mighty warrior. And God, which cannot lie. That's why I say sometimes if God speaks to us and impresses something on us, we should never question it. We should never question it, really. Commissioned him to act in strength that he possessed. Gideon didn't know he had the strength. Gideon was still in the doubt mode. But God kept referring him to what he said, I will be with thee, and thou shalt smite the Midianites as one man. That is truly unique. I'm telling you, that is a verse that's for us today. Thou shalt smite the Midianites as one man. Because the Bible tells us that they was, in one place it even says they was without number. But Gideon does what I feel that humanity would do. They look at the physical side. All I can see is the people that I'm supposed to fight. And God said, no. You're just looking at it through human eyes. You're gonna, I'm going to give you the ability to smite them as one man. Remember when God told Martha, Martha, you're just upset and troubled and anxious about many things, but just one thing is needful. One thing these Midianites and all them laying in the valley that you can't count, they're going to be as one man. One man. I'm telling you, when we are overwhelmed by life and we think this, 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 and this, and this, and this, and this, one thing is needful. One thing. And God can tell him, you're going to smite them as one man. And we know he did. But he had been, Israel had been praying for this promise, but Gideon found it difficult to believe that he was the man. Yeah. 
You're calling me to do this? And when you read on how he did it, what he possessed his strength in was not in the physical, was in the ability to believe God. It was not about going out of there and, t- and, and it's just, pardon me for this, but taking the heads off of the enemy. It was not about that. When he says you're going to, defy, you're going to defeat the enemy as one man, just have the ability to believe me. It's just that simple. Gideon, it's just that simple. All you can see is the enemy that's covered the valley. I mean, what would it be like? You go out there, man, you look at it. Who cares about grass? I can't see no grass. All I can see is the enemy. And God says they'll be defeated as one man. And your strength is going to come from just believing me. Me. Just believe me, what I say. So that's what it would do. He was going to be the one to bring it to Israel. And he was frightened. He was fearful. That's why I say I'm glad this story is in the Bible. Because I can go. And not that it it is something for me when I lack and all this. No. This is about humanity. This is about, here's a man saying, you chose me. And God saying, just believe my word. Just believe my words, what I'm telling you. And I look out there and I think I am just overwhelmed. One man. You're going to smite him as one man. And then Gideon was just, you know what? He was just honest about his situation. I'm just flesh and blood. God, you see me defeating them as one man, but I still see a whole valley full of them. God said, just believe what I'm telling you. Just believe. Expressing doubts is not a sin. But God knows our shortcoming better than we do. He is aware of our inner abilities. He also also knows our capabilities. When we honestly confess our concerns to God, He will assure us of His abiding presence in his past of victory and overcoming, uh, overcoming our inhibitions and fears. To be fearful, to be frightened at times, it's just human. We don't have to dwell there. We can just tell God, I need you to help me in this area. I need your strength. I'm just like Gideon. When I look out, I don't see the victory. All I see is the enemy. But to believe God in this process, God knows us better than we know ourselves, literally, When we cannot see our own potential, we must trust in the one who literally created us. He knows our potential. He knows what we can accomplish. God really has revealed revealed the honesty before um, Gideon. When we confess to him, God who cannot lie, he called him mightily. He gave him an impossible test that he should not question his wisdom or his assessment of his ability. He told Gideon. You are a mighty man of valor. And then. With every objection. God reaffirmed his will. That Gideon was the person. To lead this nation to victory. I wonder if you would have took Gideon. In the end. And put Gideon with, at the beginning. Of what he thought. Of what. If he would have said. You know. Through all of this time. All I needed to do was just believe what God told me. 
And all this time, I went through all this anguish, all this turmoil in my mind. Well, I didn't need to go through it. I didn't need to go through it. It's just like Elijah in the cave. All the earthquake, the wind, and the fire, and all God wanted to tell him is just, what are you doing here? He would have had to go through none of that if he hadn't been there. And God is just saying, what are you doing here? So Gideon could have said, if I just would have believed God, not saying that I wouldn't, that I wouldn't be like that, but Gideon could have seen on the other side, all I needed to do was just believe God, and I would have had the victory a lot sooner. The answer to every petition and prayer is already on the way. It, be, it became quite clear what God desired Gideon to do. God clearly communicated his call to his men, and he waited for Gideon to process his new information and to make the mental adjustments necessary to the call. And that's why I say, when Gideon was out there hiding, doing that, and the angel called him a mighty man of valor, I'm telling you, that took a little while to process. It wasn't a high five to the angel as soon as he told him that. I'm telling you, that, that took a while to process that. That could not go. And we know of what happens when, you know, it, it's, it's almost in a way to me, it might not be, uh, it's a little humorous to me, but when Gideon does this sacrifice and he's like he's almost, when he really realizes that the angel is an angel of the Lord, he almost gets, he gets really frightful. And then he tells the angel, he says, I need to prepare something. And it's like, don't go nowhere. And it's just like the angel says, I'm not going nowhere. He just reassures Gideon. I'm not going nowhere. And as it's like I've just said, this is just me. But when David went out to Goliath, and he stooped down and got the stones. You know, the reason I think he got, what was it? I don't forget now. Five, am I correct? I believe God, I believe that is something God just leads up to humanity. You get whatever you think you need. But this is just, Gideon goes in and he, he takes a young coat. Uh, he, he gets the meat of a young goat, the broth from cooking it, the loaves of unleavened bread. He goes out, puts it on the rock. And he places it right, pours the broth over it. And the Bible says that a flame comes out and consumes it. It's basically a burnt offering. And so, but he just realized. And then God reassured him and said, Peace be unto thee, fear not, thou shalt not die. And that's when Gideon built the altar and called it Jehovah Shalom. The Lord is peace. When he realized, don't go nowhere. And God in his mercy just said, I'm not going nowhere. He makes a sacrifice and Gideon says, you know what? He just settled everything inside of me. So then, but it's not over. So that's when Gideon is called to do another thing. The, uh, um, the goddess Baal and the goddess Asherah. God spoke to Gideon again and said, destroy all these altars, cut them down. You know, so he's, he's fearful that they would, um, and you can read in the Bible that they was very serious. Now, here's God's own people. And he is afraid 
to do this in the daytime. So Gideon says, I'll do it at night. Fine, cut him down. They get up the next morning, they realize that Gideon has tore down uh, the, the statues, destroyed the groves, and he's built a, a true altar to the Lord. So the first thing they do, <laughs> they do is they put a hit out on him. This is God's people. So they just put a hit out of him and said, you know, he's got to die. And I think, man, that truly revealed their spiritual depravity. God told them to have no other gods before me. And that, you know, they called for Gideon's death. And, and they went to his dad. And, and Joash just said it like this. If he bail, be a God, let him plead for himself because one has cast down his altar. His dad, his father would not take the son take his son's life because the crowd had asked him. But here, um, Gideon, he's ready to go again. So that's when we get into um, Gideon and he starts to fleecing. Gideon had been settled, but now all of a sudden, when he starts looking at the numbers, that's when it goes back. You know, the Bible says he has 32,000 and... Gideon starts the fleecing, and it basically comes down to 300. But I don't know. Um, he still, he still wasn't, he still just wasn't settled about it. But he took, and he cuts it down, and so they take, they do this. He has 32,000, so he gets the fleece. 32,000, he tells all the guys to kneel down and there was 22,000 of them that didn't even look around. They just got down and just drank water and wasn't even looking. And so 22,000 of them went home. He kept uh, 10 and God instructed him, said that's still too many. So 9,700 of them went home, so he's left with 300. So we know what happened. We know the story. So how him taking the, the pictures of lanterns and then he takes and he does this. So, but you take and the percentage is very, very small. When you take and they had, some people use the figure you can go to Judges 8 and read. They think that the Midianites had an army of 135,000. Um, and that's from chapter 8. But 300, 32,000 wouldn't be a whole lot to 135,000. And then 300 wouldn't be a drop in a bucket to that much. Um, so he, he's taken and he's wanting what to do. And so he's just... Wondered what to do. In Judges 6.16, in Judges 6.16, the Lord said unto him, Surely I will be with thee, and thou shalt smite the Midians as one man. And in verse 7, chapter 7, verse 12, And the Midianites and the Amalekites and all the children of the east lay among the valley like grasshoppers for multitude, and their camels were without number as a sand by the seaside for multitude. So, God was with them. He took. God stayed with him. And then he had all of this. 
And then here he is taken. He goes through everything. And to find out how would we react? I don't know. I mean, that's a lot. He literally went, it's like a light switch. He's out threshing this hay, and then all of a sudden life changed for him dramatically. So, and then God told him uh, what he could do, and then here he is. He keeps telling him what he can't do. So God was just constantly looking out for him. And so the real reason of this, I read to you, it was because of idolatry. And in Exodus 20, Exodus chapter 20, verse, I want to read 1 through 6. And God spake all these words, saying, I am the Lord thy God, which hath brought thee out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in earth beneath or anything that is in the water or under the earth. Thou shalt not bow thyself down to them nor serve them. For the Lord thy God is am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the, upon the fathers of the fathers of the children of the third and fourth generation of them that hate me and showing mercy unto thousands of them that love me and keep my commandments. Now God is showing, telling Israel from the very beginning, do not look nowhere else. Don't make any kind of image. Other words, just look to me. I will be everything you need. But this is what's really Truly unique to me. In Genesis 1.27. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him. Male and female, female created he them. God was said. You can't imagine nothing with your mind what I look like. If you want to know what I look like. Go look in the mirror. God created man in his own image. But don't, don't you try to create an image of what you think I would look like when I've already gave you the image. Uh, that's pretty, pretty awesome that God created us in his own image and told us, don't you try to come up something with your mind because I have already done that. You have the image. You have the image. So you don't try to create anything else. So this is the reason now that they was done. Because here they are. They want to serve these pagan gods. And all God said was not to do that. Not to do that. And at the end of the seven years, their time was up. God sent an individual to lead that, to stop that. And to see that it, would, it was not to go any further. God did that. And he will do it for us. Times life just overwhelms us. And many things drive us. But a lot of times. One thing. One thing. Time spent with God. Can stop it. Let's stand. Let's pray. Father we love you holy God. We thank you this day. Father we thank you Lord God. For what you have left us in your holy word. 
to put in our heart, Lord God, to strengthen us, Lord, to touch us. Oh, God, have your way this day. We love you, God. Create in us, Lord God, a hunger and a thirst, Lord God, after your work, after your righteousness, Lord God. We love you today. We praise you, Lord God. Thank you for what you've done. Thank you for what you're going to do. I love you this day, and I praise and thank you for it. In the name of Jesus Christ. This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806, or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening, and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.